You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. And so this morning, we want to continue in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. And we come to this portion of Scripture where Jesus is going to talk about all of the blessings that we have. And he's going to talk to us about how these blessings are our treasures, that the things that we possess that God has given to us are treasures, and he wants us to spend these treasures in right ways. He doesn't want us to lose them. He doesn't want us to waste them. He wants us to enjoy them and to use them in good ways. And so Jesus has a principle, and we're going to see this in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. I want you to just turn to each other right now and give a definition of principle. What's a principle? Okay, so, so turn to one another and try to define what is the word principle and what does it mean? Okay, so what's a, what's a principle? What's a principle? Rules? Okay, what else? Guidelines. Guidelines? Anything else? Standard? This side? What's a principle? Regulations. Okay. Anything else? A principle? The person who leads the school, right? Okay, a principle. A belief system. One more. A prohibition. Okay, wow. So, so we have some positive, we have some negative. Well, according to the dictionary, a principle is a noun, but it's not the person who leads the school. It is a fundamental truth or a proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. I want you to look just at the definition, it is a fundamental truth. And this is what Jesus is going to teach us today. It is truth. It is something that God knows to always be that which is right. It is a foundation. It's something that you can stand upon. It's something that you can be sure about. And it's a belief. It's something that permeates our lives so that it's the way that we think which will lead then to the way that we behave. And in all of this, it makes sense. It's reasonable. Jesus is very reasonable in the things that he's going to teach us here about his treasure principle. And so let's stand together and read this scripture. And again, take note of all the words there carefully as we read it. Let's begin. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Please be seated. So Jesus wants us to know that there are ways that we ought to treat our money. And as was said in the beginning, or in the end, the last one that Greg said is that it could be prohibitions. 
And we can see that Jesus is going to give us a prohibition right away. It's do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But when we see those words, do not, okay, do not, um, that could seem to be as if it's something bad. Like, you know, do not touch a hot stove. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. We would tend to think those things are negative, right? Well, Jesus wants us to see that, yes, there is something that's negative, but he's also going to give us something positive that we see in just a little bit, and that is to store up. So do not store up bad things with your treasures, but do store up good things with your treasures. I don't want us to think that God's against us using our money for good. In fact, maybe I shouldn't put it that way. I don't think God wants us to be negative about the money he entrusts to us. It's the money that God has entrusted to us so that we would use it wisely. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, can you read this with me? Just say, God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So God, whatever you have, whatever he's given to you, your job, your money, your family, your things. God has given us these things, or he has entrusted us these things, and he's given it to us richly. So we're not just rich, but God in his spirit has given to us richly. And what has he given? He's given all things. And why? To enjoy them. God's not against riches. Abraham was extremely rich. Job was even richer. God is not against us having the blessings of things. But Jesus wants us to know that amidst all these things, there are principles that we must live by. There are principles that he wants us to obey because they're truths and because they're good for us. They are very good for us. And so this is the first principle that we see here in Matthew chapter 6, and is that let the buyer beware. Let the buyer beware. Now, you've heard of that before, right? You know, when you buy something, or you go out and you go shopping, or you're online, be very careful. Let the buyer beware. In Latin, right, caveat emptor. Don't get ripped off, right? Don't be stupid. Let the buyer beware. So Jesus is telling us, hey, I don't want you to be unwise. I don't want you to be taken. I don't want you to be taken by this world. And so there's a reason why Jesus wants us to beware, or what we would say, let the buyer beware. And why? Again, we see it in Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because moths and rust destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal. God wants us to know that these things are so vulnerable, they won't last. And that God wants us to be really aware that money and the things that money can buy are temporary. They're temporal. They're not eternal. And they don't give our lives meaning they keep our lives going. In, Ma in Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says this. Can you read it with me out loud? Let's begin. 
for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay, why? Paul tells us why the fire should beware is because there is a danger in money that it can drive us away from our faith. Now notice, God does not say that money is evil. Things in themselves are not evil. In fact, they can be very, very good. We just read about that before from Paul. That God says he's given to us all things richly to enjoy. But the danger is, the trap is, that money can lead us away from God and therefore it can be evil in the way that we use it. So let the buyer beware. Why? Because they won't last. And let the buyer beware. Why? Because they can lead us away from our faith. But what? What are some things that we ought to be aware of according to Jesus? And the first one is that we ought to be aware of selfish accumulation. So we go back into our passage, verse 19, and Jesus says, do not store up. This word store up is thesorizo. It's the same word that we see there in treasures. So the two words, store and treasures, or in some of your Bibles, lay and treasures, is the exact same root in Greek. And what that word is, is the same word where we get our word thesaurus, or treasury of words. So thesaurus is something that we build up, and what Jesus is saying literally is, do not treasure for yourself treasures. Don't treasure your treasures in such a way that they would lead you to just being selfish and accumulating. Now Jesus is banning the accumulation of things when it is a selfish accumulation. He doesn't want us to hoard. He doesn't want us to be trapped in materialism. He doesn't want us to try to measure our lives by our pockets or by our money. He wants us to beware because selfish accumulation will indeed destroy us. Jesus also wants us to beware of perishable things. And so we notice there that Jesus says that moths and rust destroy. And if you've ever had a wool jacket or an all-wool sweater, which I've had, I've found it, there are holes in it at times. Because moths have come in, and I didn't put it away in a safe place. Moths got into it. And their babies, they, they had they laid their eggs on there, and the babies wake up, and the babies are hungry, and the babies love wool, and there's a hole. And so God wants us to know that the things that we might wear are going to wear out. Everything you're wearing now is going to wear out. But God also wants to know there's rust. And rust means to eat away. It can eat away metal. And God wants us to know that anything that we can buy in this world is going to be like rust it's going to fall apart. It's going to become destroyed. Or worse yet, it can be stolen. Thieves can come in and break in. And the word break in means to dig through. And in the days of Jesus, most of the homes were made of mud. And it wouldn't be all that hard 
for a thief to decide to just break through that mud and get into the house and steal the things that are there. And so all these things that we have, Jesus wants us to know, they're vulnerable. They're perishable. All things that we can see are perishable. God wants us to be careful of the disease of materialism. You know, we're very worried about the coronavirus, and rightly so. Okay? But there's another virus in the world that's far more pervasive and even far more deadly to our souls. And it's not the coronavirus, it's not the flu, it's not influenza, it's affluenza. It's the desire to be affluent and to want more than we need just for our own selfish needs and accumulation. One theologian, Scott McKnight, calls it the desire to acquire. The desire to acquire. At my age, I might say, well, I might want to have the desire to acquire because I have the desire to retire. But those are the things of this world. And those are things that God would say, you know what? Everything that you have, it's going to perish. And don't have selfish accumulation. Now remember, these are the negative commands that are meant for our good. We're going to see the positive ones in just a minute. But we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest and and ask ourselves, is money having too great a hold on me? Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones offers two really good questions that we ought to really think about. And the first one is, well, what do you think about? What are you dwelling upon? What is in your thinking all the time? What what do you think about the most? Because what we think about the most is a very good indication of where our heart is. What are we thinking about? Where do we want to spend our energy? What are we working for? What are the things that we really, really want? That's why we think about them. In a couple weeks, we're going to talk about worry. And it's the same thing. What are the things that we think about so much and we worry about? But here, it is what are we thinking about that we think is something that's going to last. Something that's going to give us satisfaction. What is it in your life that you think will give you lasting joy? What's going to give you lasting joy? What's going to ultimately give us satisfaction. We need to be aware and know what Jesus is saying to us, that we must not store up treasures for ourselves. Because all the treasures that we have, they're going to be eaten, they're going to rust, or they could be stolen. God wants us to beware because he wants us to have the right thoughts. But if we're thinking the wrong thoughts, we need to be aware of that so that we won't have unsatisfied lives, but we will truly be satisfied. So this is the first principle that Jesus would have us to know out of these words that we've looked at so far. Let the buyer beware. But the second one is this, and it's that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. There is a wonderful short book called The Treasure Principle, written by Randy Alcorn. And it's, it's one of the best books on money I've ever read. And it, it talks about, and that's where I got the title for today's message, is it talks about how to really live with the treasures in our heart. 
and how to use those treasures in such a way that God will be pleased and will be happy. And so he says, this is the principle, the treasure principle in his book. You can't take it with you. That's obvious, right? Once we die. I mean, those are the other things. If, if the moth don't get it, if the rust don't get it, if the thieves don't get it, the grave will. Right? And so God wants us to be aware of that. We can't take it with us. But, he says, but you can send it on ahead. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The message version says it very simply. Stockpile treasures in heaven. God wants us to use our lives so that what we have is a blessing to others and is honorable to him and leads to many more rewards in heaven. What would you do if, if you won $100,000? What would you do if you won? Or if somebody just gave you $100,000, what would you do with it? Would you give it all away? Would you give some of it away? Would you, would you tithe on it? Give 10%, then keep the rest. Two really good examples of, of people who wanted and lived by this principle of sending it on ahead. One was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. And at that time, I think his peace prize was about $60,000. But he gave it all away. He gave it to the leading civil rights groups of his day to support the cause for which he believed in, for the equality of all people. And he gave it all away. He didn't keep any of it. The second one is Mother Teresa. She also won the Nobel Peace Prize. And when she won it, it was worth over, they gave her over a little over $100,000. She gave it all away. And when they asked her, why and to whom are you going to give it to, she said, I'm going to give it to those who are destitute, and especially for lepers. And so she gave the money away so that homes could be built for these people where they were just living on the streets otherwise. Mother Trace also said it this way, live simply so that others may simply live. Live simply so that others may simply live. They live the principle. You can't take it with you but you can send it on ahead. Now, this is for you and for me. This is something you and I can do. Now, it's not likely somebody's going to give us $100,000, right? So you don't have to worry about that. I'm not going to give that to you today. Um, but there are things that every one of us can do. So, so how? Okay. How can I stockpile eternal treasures? Well, the first one is to build Christ-like character in your life. Paul says this about his life. Paul says this about the lives that he wants all believers to live. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 9.25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last how long? Forever. Forever. And, and this crown, okay, you know, if you imagine it just to be like a gold crown or a beautiful crown, I, I don't 
think that's exactly what it means. I think that it represents a reward that God's going to give to us. And it represents all of the rewards that we're going to enjoy in heaven. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation that when we get to heaven, we will see the elders take their crowns and give them to Jesus. And I wonder if that's also what God's going to do for us. Like, wouldn't you want to give something? I mean, what can you give to Jesus that he doesn't already have? But when we get to heaven, how are we going to worship him? And I wonder if God's going to give us his crown of righteousness in a way that we are going to be able to give it back to him. Because it gives us so much joy to give to him and not to keep for ourselves. But whatever it is, God promises us that we are going to get it forever. And there's no crown on earth that you can have forever. There's nothing on earth that will last forever. But there are things in our lives that we can build and that is Christ-like character to continue to want to be like him, to train and to work hard and to keep our character clean and to be the people that God is proud of. And in that way, we are stockpiling eternal treasures. The Bible also tells us that it is through our prayers that things are going to last forever out of our lives. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a heart, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. All of our prayers out of our hearts, God has taken, he has heard. They are like incense. They've gone up to heaven. And God says that they are kept in a bowl. That God knows our prayers. And as we pray, we are building up eternal treasures. And so it always comes back, right, to application. So when you pray at home, when you prayed this morning, even when you pray for your meal, when you pray tonight, when you pray on Wednesday at prayer fellowship, you are adding to your eternal treasures. You're adding to the things that God would have us to do on earth that can last forever. God wants us to pray. The third thing that we can do that helps us to stockpile eternal treasures is share our faith with other people, to witness to them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says this about the Thessalonians. He says, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord when he comes? Is it not you? Paul is referring yet seemingly to another crown that we'll have in heaven. But in this case, it's referring to the crown of people. The people that we are going to take with us to heaven. Who's somebody that you know that isn't yet a Christian that you just long for to become a Christian? Can you imagine going to heaven with that person? Bringing that person with you? God wants to use you. You may be the only person that person will listen to because you have a relationship with them. God wants you to share your faith and to build up a relationship with people so that you can share his love with them and to witness. And when they come to know the Lord, they will be with you in heaven. Now suppose that, yes, you're going to heaven. But let's suppose that um, God says, okay, everybody who's going to live in your house is somebody you have led to the Lord. Somebody you have led to the Lord. 
So here's my question. Are you going to have any roommates? Are you going to have any roommates in heaven? Or are you going to be all by yourself? Now, there, there's not going to be any sadness. There's not going to be any regret. But there are going to be rewards in heaven. And there's going to be people who aren't going to get them, too. God says so, but it's better to be in the house of God, you know, even if I'm just a servant, than not to be there at all. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. But God wants us to fill his homes with people. Yes, it is a sovereign work of God. But yes, he uses people. I came to know the Lord through a young lady named Terry. She came to know the Lord from somebody else, who came to know the Lord from somebody else. And I suppose that if we were to all live in that same house, because I would live in the house that Terry lived in, because she led me to the Lord, then that means that I'm going to go all the way back to the times of Jesus, and my house is going to be filled. But I hope that it would not stop with me. I hope that I wouldn't be the last person to get through the door, because I never led somebody to Jesus. Have you ever led somebody to Jesus? That person can live in your mansion with you. God wants us to be a witness because those are the things that are going to last forever. God's word and people will last forever. He wants us to use our lives to be a testimony. Those are the best ways to stockpile things in heaven, to send it on ahead, to know. Just like this brother, Wing Chi, an old man, come to know the Lord. Come to know the Lord. Because God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to know him, to be saved. So witness, share your life. Be a friend to those who don't know Jesus. Open your mouth, open your heart. Take them out, open your money bags. Treat them to lunch, buy them a gift. Show them you care. And that's the fourth one, is use our money to help others. Use our money to help others. In Luke chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. Where are those purses? They are in heaven. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. This is Luke's understanding of the same words that we just read in Matthew. That God wants us to take all the things that we have and give it to him, to give it to him. Um, there was a man who really wanted to surrender his life to Jesus. There was a man who really wanted to be everything that Jesus called him to be. And, and so one day, he was talking to God and he was praying and he was being as sincere as possible. And he said, Lord, I really want to be the man of God you want me to be. Show me, Lord, show me. I want to surrender my life to you. Show me, show me. I want to dedicate my life to you. Show me, show me. I want to be everything that Jesus died for so that I can be the man of God you want me to be. And he prayed and he prayed and prayed and God heard his prayer. So God sent an angel to him. And, and at the end of his prayer, he saw this angel. And the angel said, God has heard your prayers. And the man said, oh, 
oh, oh, wow, what does God want me to do so that I can be fully surrendered to him? And he said, well, I have a question for you. Um, what do you own? And the man thought, that's an interesting question. He goes, okay, well, let's see. Um, well, I, I own a car. And the man said, the angel said, okay, God will take the car. He says, all right. He goes, what else do you own? He goes, well, I, I own a truck. He goes, okay, God will take that too. And he goes, oh, all right, I'll give God my truck. And he goes, what else do you have? And he goes, well, let's see, I have a, a bank account. Oh, good, I'll take that. And he goes, oh, then I'm going to, you mean all I have left is my stocks and bonds? Oh, you have stocks and bonds. We'll take that too. What? Oh, well, I surrendered to God. Okay. What else do you have? And he goes, oh, gosh, well, I, I have my clothes. He goes, God, I'll take that too. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, what else do you have? He goes, well, my clothes are in my house. I, I have a house. He goes, a house. God will take that too. And he goes, what? Then you mean I'm going to have to sleep in my RV? You RV? Here you okay? I'll take your RV too. And then he goes, oh, my gosh. What, you, what about where are my wife and children going to sleep? And the angel goes, you have a wife and children? God will take that too. And then the man goes, what else do you want? And the angel goes, what else do you have? And he thinks, he goes, I gave you my house, my money, my clothes, my wife, my children. I don't have anything else. And the angel goes, okay. And he gives them all back to the man. And he says, okay now. All of these are given back to you. But remember, they belong to God. And now you are to use them for his glory. You are to use them to bless other people. You are to use them in such a way that they give joy and meaning, not just to your life, but to the life of other people. This is how God wants us to live. This is how Jesus tells us that, yes, you can enjoy this life, but remember, you can't take it with you. So send it on ahead. The third principle that Jesus wants us to learn from this passage is that what happens to our treasures is what happens to us. What happens to our treasures is what happens to us. And that statement comes from a pastor and an author, R. Kent Hughes. And, and this is his take on verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your treasure is, the things that you value, that's your heart. Now remember, Jesus just said, the things that we treasure, if they treasure them on earth, they're just going to die and rot and get lost or get stolen. They're going to stay on earth. But if your treasure goes beyond you and you send it on ahead to heaven, then that's where you're going to go with your heart and with your soul, you're going to show that your heart is for eternal things. And so what happens to our treasures happens to us. Now, this is not saying that, that if you place all of your treasures in the heavenly things, you buy yourself into heaven. It's not saying that. This is talking about our commitment. This is talking about our attitude. This is talking about our values. This is talking about how we're going to live our lives and how we're going to spend the things that God entrusts to us. And how we're going to earn the things that God is going to give us opportunity to earn 
so that we are able to take care of not just ourselves and our family, but of others. God wants us to know that what we value and what we treasure is where we are going to end up. If we, we treasure things to this earth, then we're just going to end up with a very earthly life. But if we treasure the things of heaven and we live the way God wants us to live and we're generous, God will bless us. If we're sacrificial, God will bless us. I have never, ever regretted being generous. Never. But I have often felt sad and I've deeply regretted when I've been cheap. Never regretted when I've been generous, but often regretted when I was stingy. God wants to teach us, he wants to teach me that earthly things will always be lost, but heavenly things will never be lost. He wants us to have a heart for the things that he has a heart for, which are people. And to use the resources that God has given to us to bless people. And he tells us that you have a heart which is your treasure chest. Your heart is your treasure chest. And yes, it is hidden. No one can see what's in your heart. God can. But when we give out of the treasures of our heart, when we give so that we show that we love other people, when we give so that we're generous, it doesn't matter if we're taken advantage. God knows our heart. We tend to think, well, you know, I want to give to somebody who deserves it. I want, they have to earn it in some way. Like you ever saw somebody, you know, on the street and they're, 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 they're asking for money and you wonder, I wonder if like maybe they, they wasted their life. I wonder if they're worthy of receiving a handout from me. Well, God doesn't think that way. We weren't worthy of anything except hell. And God gave us all of his gifts. God gave us Jesus. He gave it to the whole world. And most of the world rejected it. But he still gives it. He still blesses. He still has people with good lives. He still gives because he's a God of grace and of mercy and of goodness. And he wants us to know that we can become more and more like him. He wants us to have a treasure in our heart that longs to have a treasure in heaven. And so we live the way he wants us to live. And Jesus says, you know what? Don't let treasures on earth control you, but rather be controlled by desire to build up the treasures in heaven that God's going to open up when you get there. And so God wants us to not be controlled by the things of this world. So how can we do this? How can we avoid being controlled by money? And the first one is this. Treasure Jesus more than anything else in your life. In Mark 12, 30, we read these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Treasure Jesus most of all. Love him with all your being. Give him what you can right now and grow in that love. C.H. Spurgeon says this. You must keep all earthly treasures out of your heart. And let Christ be your treasure and let him have your heart. So it starts there. Have you let Christ be your treasure? Have you let him have your heart? And when we begin there, we begin by building up the treasures. We begin by building up the desires. 
We begin by building up the eagerness to do the things that please God and bless others and ultimately give us joy too. The second greatest commandment, according to Jesus. So we read the first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the second way in which we can keep from being controlled by money is love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. To give to those who have a need. Not necessarily because they deserve it, but because they have a need. God says it is good for us to love our neighbor. And he also says it's good for us to love ourselves. Our neighbor is supposed to love us just as we love ourselves, and our neighbor is supposed to love us just as they love themselves. Can you imagine what it would be like if everybody did that? If we were a fellowship, a community of people who were so eager and generous to give to each other that we all ended up with the same thing because we just kept passing it around? We just kept sharing it? God would be so pleased. So those are two ways. And then Paul, in, in just three passages, teaches us five other simple ways to not be controlled by money. And this passage is, is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 19. So we just read it. It just literally tells us what to do. So it says, command those who are rich in this present world. I, I, you're rich. Okay, let's just start off there. You, every one of us here are, have to be in the 97th percentile of riches in the world. So you can look that up on Google later if you want, but you'll find out you are rich. Okay? All of us are rich by this world's standards. We have more money than most people in the world. Even our students do. If you get an allowance, your allowance is probably more than most people make. God wants us. God wants us to be generous people. And so he commands. Oh, he commands. So, so Paul is talking to Timothy, who is a pastor, who is going to preach... And Paul says, command those you are teaching to do these things. So God's commanding me, and God's commanding you. And the first one is, do not be arrogant. Don't think that this world is all about you. Don't think that you've worked hard and this is your money. God has given us all things. It is because of him that we were born here, or that we had the opportunities of America. We're not born in, in some place where there was just poverty and no way out. Don't be arrogant. Number two, don't put your hope in wealth. It's so uncertain. Don't put your hope in money. It's not bad to have money, but don't put your hope in it. But rather, put your hope in God. And again, look, he richly provides us with everything. Why? For our enjoyment. And then if they didn't get it right the first time, Paul repeats it, command them, command Curtis, command CCTO to do good, to be rich in good deeds. And lastly, to be generous and willing to share. Are we generous? Are we rich in good deeds? I was just thinking, what, what, what are the three simple, practical ways we could do this? Um, let me just offer these three ideas to you. Number one is um, when the next time you go shopping, um, either online or at a store, just ask yourself before you buy it, is this more than I need? Not do you need it, because maybe you do need it, but is it more than I need? Is it more than I need? And then think about it before you buy it. 
Is it more than I need? Can you buy something less and still get away? Or do you even need it at all? Number two is if you go out to lunch or, or you go out for coffee, um, just choose one time a week and save that money and give it to the poor. You could sponsor a child for about $35 or $40 a month on, on so many different Christian places like, like uh, Compassion or World Vision or Food for the Hungry. Um, and, and, you know, how much is one meal a week? Even one cup of coffee can be $5. A meal could probably be at least $10, even at McDonald's. If you save that times four, once a week, 20 to $40 a month that you save, you can give away. And the last one is just whatever you currently give to this church, to this body of believers, to the work that we do, because you're part of this church, just increase it. Increase it. I, I wish I had time, and, and we will do another series sometime on tithing, because I believe that God would teach us to tithe, but he doesn't command us to tithe, and we'll talk about that some other time. But he gives it to us as an opportunity to show forth faith. But for now, but for now, whatever you give, just increase it. Increase it in some way to bless other people. You can increase it by giving to the love offering fund. You can increase it by giving to the food whenever we, we have our lunch again. Um, you can increase it by giving directly to the church missions. You can increase it by giving directly to the church budget. But just increase it a little bit. Just, just learn to give and start the momentum of giving a little bit more. Be good. Be good in good deeds. Be generous. Share. And then the Bible promises us, in this way, we will lay up treasures for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, and we will take hold of the life that is truly life. Giving is life. Sharing is life. God would have us to have that life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's so positive. Lord, it, it reminds us, you want us to be blessed. You want us to enjoy all things, and you want us to use the things that we have to bring blessings to others as well. And so, Lord, we pray that you would make us a generous people. We pray that we would live the principles of Jesus and have a treasure principle in our heart that are truly our treasure, our things that will last forever and ever with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.